This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is Tuesday, April 26th. 2022 and a night to forget for the Utah Jazz. We'll talk all about that game five debacle coming up. Make sure though that you uh, check out our affiliate links uh, freshly and newly updated uh, in the description below on this podcast. Whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, hey, thank you so much to everybody on Stitcher. You guys are awesome. Uh, the affiliate links are in the description below on YouTube. Of course, appreciate you guys being here. Uh, give us a thumbs up and a like if you are here. Don't forget, we are still giving away a PS5. Yes, everybody asked yesterday, when are we giving it away? We will give that away uh, when we get to 5,000 subscribers. And we're actually uh, getting pretty close to that. We're at 3945. So uh, a little bit of a slow day yesterday, but we are uh, we are still moving towards 5,000. We'll have that for you. Probably, I would guess that's about a month away, uh, generally based on how uh, our subscriber stuff has been going. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into the Utah Jazz in Game 5 and what a wreck this was. I don't even know where to begin with the, the outcome and how you come out of Game 5. Uh, after you go to Dallas and you at one point trailed in this game by 33 points, the Jazz at no point were ever in position to win this game and now find themselves with their backs against the wall after they shot a historically bad, and when I say historically bad, all time the worst shooting performance in the history of NBA statistics Three for 30 from distance. Three for 30 from three. And I'm not exaggerating. The single worst performance, according to Elias Sports Bureau, of any team in the history of the NBA who shot at least 25 three-pointers in a game. The Jazz went three for 30. We continued to see a trend where they just came out of the gate really slow. Dallas came out of the gate and got really hot, jumped out to a lead. And the Jazz seemingly never recovered from that. So I guess, Jake, the question is, what do they do in game six to turn it around? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, game six is is going to be tough. I think Donovan, you know, uh, leaves this game with that injury. Um, you know, you left this game and walked off the floor in a way where you just didn't. Uh, you weren't feeling good, obviously. It was embarrassing. It wasn't uh, – you weren't in good shape. So I, I think what do you do in game six? I think you – you come back home. Uh, hopefully, Donovan can play. There's no, obviously, real word on how bad that injury uh, is. Uh, and you hope for the best from a shooting perspective. You're back home. You would think you would shoot a little bit better. Well, to update that situation, he said after the game last night he did not think it was a significant issue. Uh, it was hamstring tightness. He said he jumped. We we were tweeting about it as it happened. It looked like a non-contact injury. He said he went to finish at the basket, and the hamstring tightened up. He I think there's a lot of drama in the way that Donovan Mitchell carries himself. Certainly as he, uh, as he walked off the floor, he was doubled over in pain in the tunnel and mm -hmm. 
it turns out that it's a it, it sounds like and if you believe Donovan he says he's he should be good to go Thursday night you've got two full days of rest he says he should be go on th- uh, good to go on Thursday night for game six with hamstring tightness so I mean you feel good about that but the the question again I I don't know what adjustments if any can you make uh to more compete in game six yeah I mean I, I think last night there was a there there was a clear there was a clear decision by the Mavericks to, you know, basically bring a ton of energy and just outwork the Jazz. And I think that's what allowed them ultimately to contest a lot of threes early in the game and, and what made, you know, the Jazz life difficult. Um, I think in game six, the energy has to be better. You know, I, I think the minimum expectation for the Jazz is simply to 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 pick it up a little bit as far as you know, working hard as far as making the right decision, taking care of the ball, like all the little things in basketball that allow you to be in a game and to compete, they just simply have to do better, you know? And and, and I think that certainly um, I can't envision a scenario where the Jazz go three for 30 again from three. I just don't. This team is too good from three to do that two games in a row. So obviously they will shoot better, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I thought last night, you know, the Mavericks' progress and their their the reason they won this game was because they outworked the Jazz um, and, and they played great defense. And that ultimately led to a lot of transition opportunities. Um, and when you're, when you're playing in your own building and you're playing in transition, the crowd's into it and it's a snowball effect. So I think that's ultimately what happened in this game last night. And I just I just was surprised that, that you know, the, the Jazz – you know, you just got, it wasn't even that you lost by 25 or whatever it ended up being. I mean, it just was the feel of it, you know, just getting throttled in that way was really, really surprising. I mean, we, we talked about on the show yesterday, how we felt like this was going to be a, you know, coming down to it. We felt like the jazz were going to lose, but you know, I think you gave the prediction of like 118, 112, like a close game, you know, a, a typical playoff game. And that's just not what happened. So, you know, adjustments in game six, I mean, is it an adjustment to say shoot it better? I mean, I don't think that's like an adjustment. I just think they're going to make more threes. I would hope that we see the continuation of the driving kick strategy that they were rolling out last night. I would hope that, you know, ball movement is something that they use in game six on offense to get better, higher quality looks. Cause that, that's something I noticed too. You know, a lot of these looks last night were contested. You know, a lot of the Dallas Mavericks looks were not contested. So I think it's just a matter of, creating good looks for guys like Bogdanovich or guys like Don or guys like Mike uh, so they can knock it down at a higher percentage. And I think if you can shoot, you know, if you can make 20 of them and shoot 40% to get there, you're going to be in a really good spot in this game. But I I think that your point about Donovan being, you know, you know, kind of interesting the way he handles things sometimes. I don't know if he's downplaying this or not, but what I can tell you is the last thing this team needs is a Donovan Mitchell with a, with a bum hamstring. You know, that's the last team they thing they need right now. Well, I, I think I'll, I'll just maintain what I've said for the last six to 10 weeks, which is you're watching the end of an era of Utah jazz basketball. I think, um, last night, you know, just texting, uh, with messaging, I should say, with um, you know one of the guys I know at the Jazz unsolicited. Uh, late in the fourth quarter, I got a message from a guy that I talked to, and he just simply said devastating and never answered another message I sent. He just said devastating. And I think that that about covers it. And the game ended, and Mrs. Monty had gone to bed, and I was sitting on the couch, um, you know, messaging with a couple of people that I, that I know. 
Um, and I, I am surprised that NBA voices really put a lot of this um, on roster construction. And I think that you are seeing the, you know, ultimately what this comes down to. And I think what you're seeing is the Jazz are just simply not athletic. And what you saw last night was a Dallas Mavericks team that consistently ran away from the Utah Jazz, that consistently contested threes. You're watching a guy in Dorian Finney-Smith sagging into the paint to double team on Rudy Gobert and still having the athletic ability to get back to the three-point stripe to contest that three. Um, now, I agree with you. You're never going to see the Jazz go three from 30 from three. I mean, they're, they're, they're too talented for this. But ultimately, it also goes back to the thing that everybody always says. You live by the three and you die by the three. Mm -hmm. This team, I had been begging this team to drive and kick. Please, more drive and kick. And it worked splendidly last night. With the exception of the ball going in the hole when you shot a historically bad three of 30 from three. The system is in place. Quinn Snyder can't make this team execute. Quinn Snyder can't go out there and shoot threes for this club. I think the adjustments that he's tried to make simply haven't worked. This is not a, a, a defensive team that can play zone defense in the NBA and expect to win games. That's not going to work. And I think we've seen that, what, three, four times this series, and it just simply hasn't panned out. So it's very difficult to expect a good result from something that you know is not a strength of yours. And the only way you get better at zone defense is you practice it a lot. They don't practice a lot in the NBA. And you have really good athletes that play a high level um, of intelligent basketball. This is not a high IQ team. You watch what happened with Hassan Whiteside last night in that, in that altercation. Now, the foul against Luka Doncic, Hassan did absolutely nothing wrong. Everything short of throwing a punch in that altercation after that was really stupid. And to get yourself a double technical and ejected in that situation, um, and a lot of fans on Twitter last night were saying that Reggie Bullock also got ejected. He got ejected because he had picked up a previous technical foul. And then he got involved in that, which also was really stupid. But for Hassan Whiteside, you can't get ejected in this game. You, you simply cannot. You cannot get into an altercation like that. He just needed to put his hands up and walk away. And yet you see this continually. You see, again, Royce O'Neal body blocking Luka Doncic, negating one three-pointer out of the corner, which last night would have been amazing to have that three-pointer go in. But because Royce O'Neal wants to play football instead of basketball, the three-pointer is disallowed, and it's a foul on, on Royce O'Neal. Just really stupid, low-IQ basketball from a team that has been known as a high-IQ team. And it just is, is it's symptomatic of a team that knows they're done. Mm -hmm. This is uh, symptomatic of a team who no longer believes that they can compete at the upper echelon of, of, of NBA basketball. And I think that to me is what really stood out. And we've kind of touched on it, I think, a little bit during this series in the last two months of the season. I think this Jazz team knows that they're not as good as they once were. I think they now are acutely aware of the fact that the Dallas Mavericks are a better team. This was going to be a close series without Luka Doncic. If Luka plays the kind of basketball he played last night, this thing is over on Thursday night. It, 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 there's just, you're not beating them 
when you look at some of the numbers in this game last night and and you realize that it's not like the Dallas Mavericks shot the lights out. Dallas shot 27.9% from three, which is horrendous. Spencer Dinwiddie has been awful in this series, shooting the basketball. They continue, Luka included, continue to miss free throws last night. They only shoot 76% from the line, and the biggest uh, you know, felon there is Luka Doncic, missing four free throws last night. It's not like the Dallas Mavericks played their best basketball. That's the thing that really scares you but they got back to doing the things that they do very well. Jalen Brunson, again, one-on-one against Rudy Gobert repeatedly. Spencer Dinwiddie, again, one-on-one against Rudy Gobert repeatedly. You look at Luka Doncic, somehow, someway, that last three-pointer he hit, he had three full steps, and nobody steps out on him. And he takes a wide-open three, does his little shimmy dance, and we wind up calling a timeout. Like, it is the absolute worst-case scenario And the problem that I have is I don't see a way to fix that Mm -hmm. because we can sit here and we can talk about, hey, you guys are too hard on the Jazz and they're making an effort. It's not that their effort is the issue. We talked about this with David Locke the other day when David Locke said on Twitter that he watched every play over and over and it was a lack of effort. No, it's not a lack of effort. It's a lack of ability. It's a lack of ability. They can't compete with the Dallas Mavericks athletic ability. It is that simple. We are watching it. And for everybody who got pissed when I said, hey, that that game in Houston is a real problem. That game where they won in overtime and they waved goodbye to the fans in Houston. You know why that was a problem? Because it was an absolute indicator of what things were to come. And all you're seeing is the LA Clippers series from last year the Houston Rockets, the Minnesota Timberwolves, you look at all these teams that just come in against the Jazz and they just run by them. They force them to get into the paint because they know that the Jazz are going to turn the ball over. Last night, the Jazz turned the ball over um, 13 times and gave up 21 points on 13 turnovers. 21 points on 13 turnovers. Incredible. And the other thing real quick, not to, to, you know, just rant on but the other thing that should shock you do you know i mean fast break points the dallas mavericks had last night when they were up by 33 at one point the entire game they only had eight fast break points the jazz had seven it's not like they were sprinting up and down the floor they beat you in the half court repeatedly punched you in the face in the half court and there was nothing you could do about it and the the solution is there's one solution to this. You have to completely remake this roster. Yeah. And repeatedly, the, the people that I talk to around the NBA, um, the guys I talk to at the Jazz, have repeatedly said that's the plan this summer is to make significant foundational changes. And I think that the hardest part of last night, and we'll see, we'll see what happens after, after Thursday night. If this series goes seven games, we're going to have a different conversation. If the Jazz somehow win this series, now we're having a totally different conversation. But if they roll in to the Vivint on Thursday night and they do this again, we that's a different deal than foundational changes over the summer. You have a guy, in my opinion, in Quinn Snyder. The narrative on Quinn Snyder has changed a little bit over the last couple of weeks. And it's changed a little bit more during this series. 
I think if you get blown out like this again on Thursday night, I think Quinn Snyder probably is out of a job. I think if you get embarrassed at home in game six, I think there's a good chance Quinn Snyder's out of a job because this is, this is embarrassing. You got humiliated last night. Yeah, and I think there's a difference between, you know, playing, you know, bad basketball, but also being immature. Like, I think that's the biggest thing last night. You know, you talk about not having an answer. That's why you saw the scrappiness at the end of the game. That's why you saw the Hassan thing. That's why you saw the the Royce O'Neal thing. Like, all of that was was second half, you know, frustration, no answer. So that's that's the biggest problem. It's not like Quinn can just go to the bench. See, and that's the thing for the Mavericks. Last night when Luka's getting tired in the middle of a run, you know, he takes a possession off and just gives it to Brunson, and they do what they were doing earlier in the series when Luka wasn't playing. And and that ultimately I think is is the biggest issue for the Jazz. They don't have they don't have an answer. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, Oh, well, where's Donovan Mitchell? What like Donovan has been absent in this game. Like, where's he at? And yeah, he didn't he didn't he didn't shoot well last night. Nobody did. And he didn't have a good performance last night. Nobody did. And, and so that's why I say, like, I don't know I don't know if this is a product of this team being tired. I don't know if this was just like, hey, the Mavericks are just better than us tonight or or what it is, you know, whatever whatever narrative we want to go with. But they just, they just, I just felt like they just didn't come ready to play. Like whether we're talking about, whether we're talking about turnover, like Bogdanovich turning it over on the post, whether we're talking about not playing good defense, whether we're talking about going three from 30 for, from three. Like that's, like they just were not mentally ready to go into Dallas and, and compete. And in the NBA, even against the worst team, if you not if you don't come ready, you're going to get lit up. And and I think that that this Dallas Mavericks team, while I don't think they're certainly an NBA Finals team, they're definitely good enough to to beat people. And I think that was that was the frustrating thing for me last night watching this game. Yeah, it is it is certainly frustrating, to say the least. But again, your frustration should be with this roster. I think I think too quickly. We try to point the finger at, oh, Donovan Mitchell this or Rudy Gobert that. I again say Rudy getting exploited by Jalen Brunson in and Luka Doncic last night is not Rudy Gobert's fault. I mean, Rudy Gobert is a, a wonderful defender in the paint at the rim, but in no way, shape, or form should this guy be one-on-one -on -one with a guard on the perimeter. And Luka Doncic is not a guy that relies on quickness. He's battling a... a uh, a significant calf strain, and he went right by Rudy Gobert, who is a seven foot one center and should not be guarding guys on the perimeter. I, I again just continue to maintain that Rudy Gobert should not be on the floor in a game like this. Rudy Gobert should be a 20 minute guy in a game like this, not your leading scorer. Rudy Gobert was the leading scorer last night. I don't know how much you guys have looked in, I, I, I've spent a lot of time trying to find some trends in these numbers. Rudy Gobert had 17 points and 11 rebounds last night. He was by far, by far your leading scorer among the starters. And the only guy, the only guy who really had a good game last night was Jordan Clarkson scoring 20 points, nine of 15, 20 points, not as efficient as you would like. Now, 0 of four from three, but not as efficient as you would like, but nine of 15, 20 points. He's the only guy that really, answered the bell. I mean, did his job again. I think we're, we're watching a guy in Mike Conley, simply unable to do the job, unable to do the job. He looks and, and the entire team, not just Mike Conley, this entire team is out of gas. They look, they look absolutely exhausted. 
They they are not able to to run up and down with the, with with Dallas. I think you're watching um, hustle plays. All of them go to the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, I, I look at 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 Richardson last night, um, and or Green last night, excuse me, and it's shocking that he plays 14 minutes, doesn't make a shot, but made three, four really critical hustle plays along the baseline and the sideline. He saved that one ball that wound up going down as a three-pointer after some rotation that was a, a big moment in that game. Um, I look at I look at Maxi Kleba's a great example. I don't think Kleba scored last night. Nope. He did not, but he gave you five rebounds. He's in the paint, putting a hip into Rudy's chest, rebounding the basketball. Like, they beat you in every facet of the game. They out-hustled you. They out-muscled you. They shot the ball better, even though they didn't shoot well at all. They shot the ball better. They they moved the ball better. They executed their offense better. Like, you got, you got humiliated last night, and there's no way to fix that. That's the issue. There is no such thing like I, I, I you know, I, I was listening to some audio this morning of, of, you know, Rudy Gobert talking about, we're going to find out who we are. He said something. I'm like, dude, it, if you don't know who you are as a ball club already, that's a little surprising to me. Yeah. Like, did you need to, to trail by 33 in game five of a playoff series to figure out you needed to figure out who you were? Like the things that this team says don't match up with the performance that they put out on the floor. Yeah, and I don't feel like they have a a fix for game 6. There's not there's not a there's not one it's not like we're sitting here talking about them, you know, going, you know, just 3 for 30 but the defense was on lock and and they didn't turn it over and everything else was fine. You know, it wasn't like hey, they lost cuz they shot poorly. You know, like that that's why I say like that that question about hey, like what are we going to do in game 6 to to have a better outcome? I'm not exactly sure. I literally just think it's, hey, you're going to shoot the ball better, but the effort has to be at a higher level. Like, But, but I also wonder, what was the expectation coming into the season? Because my guy, Tony Jones, who I think is head and shoulders the best jazz guy that covers this team, Tony Jones wrote a, a, a column after the game last night that said a season that began with so much promise is on the brink. Did this season begin with so much promise? Well, I think when they re-signed Mike Conley, you know, the the if we think back to that, the the reason that that they said they re-signed him was because they wanted to run it back. What was the narrative coming out of the team? Hey, we we lost to the Clippers because of injuries. That's essentially what the the narrative was. Hey, we didn't progress through that series because we had injuries that prevented us from playing our basketball. So let's go. Let's run it back with Mike one more time. So we're gonna re-sign him. And let's see what we can do. But that's not how it's panned out, even though he stayed healthy. I totally disagree. I, I don't think there was promise in re-signing Mike Conley. I, I, and again, it's on tape. Everything we say on the show is, yeah. is right there in front of you. It was a huge mistake to re-sign Mike Conley. This is a guy that's always injured. Right now, he's out of gas, and you're paying him $21 million a year. Like, I don't think – I never saw a great promise. Where the flying fuck is Rudy Gay? Somebody explain to me, oh, the great Rudy Gay signing, depth, small ball. Rudy Gay hasn't played a solitary second in this series. It's the playoffs, and he ain't playing. Somebody explain to me what happened to Rudy Gay. Like, what happened to the rotations? What happened to, oh, my God, this depth? We're begging for Eric Pascal minutes. That's where we are as a basketball team. That we're watching this team, and we're begging for Eric Pascal minutes. What And so you can say that I'm sitting here revising history. Go back to October, September. 
And look at what we said about Mike Conley. I said specifically, this is a mistake. Yeah. This is a contract that will come back to get you. Paying the luxury tax for Mike Conley set you back two years. If you had the real desire to remake this roster, and I'm telling you the reason they didn't do it is because Danny Ainge wasn't ready to come to work. Mm-hmm. Danny Ainge was not ready to take over this team. So they kept the status quo, and it's a huge mistake. So anyway, my point is, Tony Jones saying that this season started with so much promise, I just don't understand where that promise was. Because I didn't look at Mike Conley coming back. I didn't look at Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay should have been a nice signing, but what was he when you signed him? He was hurt. Yeah, He was an older player that was hurt, and he was hurt for a lot of the season. He was ineffective for a lot of the season. And frankly, I don't know where he would play in this series. I mean, I would at least try, but maybe he's not available. I don't know. I, I just look at I look at Mike Conley and I, I look at I look at the guy guys on this team. You're playing Nikhil Alexander Walker and, and and Jared Butler trash minutes last night, but no Rudy Gay at all. Yeah. And I just I don't understand why the expectations were so high for this team. Now we're talking about it like the series is over. It's not. You have a game five Thursday night thing. Thankfully, there's two days off to recover from this. But I don't. I wouldn't expect a whole lot of changes. I just would not. I, I think, I think the Utah Jazz are likely telling themselves, "Oh, we got to get our minds right, and we've got to." You know, like Rudy Gobert last night talking about mindset was wrong. How is your mindset wrong in the playoffs? Yeah. <laughs> How is your mindset wrong? How did you come up with? Like, what did he say last night? He said something to the effect of, we didn't match their energy. Yeah, and I, and I He think said, that- our mindset was disappointing. It felt like we didn't respond to their intensity and their focus. They just outplayed us. So you weren't intense or focused? That's not on Quinn Snyder. That's on you. Like, h- how is that possible? Boyan Bogdanovich saying, we have to do a better job of moving the ball and playing the right way. What does playing the right way mean? Are we playing the wrong way if the ball's going in the hole? That, that There's just no accountability on this team. And this isn't a loss. Remember I said this. This is a loss that you're going to remember, that you are going to point to and say this was a moment in time where if Quinn Snyder gets whacked, that's why Quinn Snyder got fired. Hey, if Rudy Gobert, when, not if, when Rudy Gobert gets traded, you'll remember this loss. Because for all the Gobert supporters who say he's a vital part of this team, okay, he was among the starters. He was your leading scorer. By far, not close. He was your leading scorer. How did that work for you? How did that work for you? Yesterday, there was a huge debate on... on um. Twitter about giving the ball more to Rudy Gobert. Okay, well, you lobbed him the ball for a game winner, and all of a sudden the Gobert supporters came out of the woodwork and said, see, you got to give him the ball more. Okay, he's your leading scorer now. How did that feel last night? That's not how you win. If Rudy Gobert is your leading scorer, you're going to lose more nights than you're going to win. Because I got news for you, man. He's not a 30-point-a-night guy. Somebody on YouTube the other day in the comments said, he's a 30-point-a-game guy. No, he's not. No, he's not. Is he 15-15? and 15? Yeah, he is. Can he, during the regular season, be a 20-15 and 15 guy? Yeah, he can. Yeah, he can. But as a 7-1 center, that ain't going to win you games in this league. It's not. It just is not. You look at the, the team. Look at how disappointed they are in Brooklyn this morning. 
Look how disappointed they are. And what happened? Their two star wing players did not produce in this series and they lost. When you look at the, the Brooklyn Nets, why did they lose? There's only three names. They lost because of three guys, Kevin, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons. Which one of those guys is a seven-foot center? None of them. Why did Boston sweep, sweep Brooklyn? Because their best player, their best player is Jason Tatum, who is not a seven-foot-one center. Who's the best team in the NBA playoffs right now? Well, it's probably the Phoenix Suns, but their single best player, Devin Booker, isn't playing, and he's not a seven-foot center. Their, their big man in DeAndre Ayton and Phoenix is playing and it's not working because they're 2-2 fighting for their lives tonight. This is not a big man league. This is a talented wing player league and the Jazz have none of that. The Jazz do not have an, an elite wing player and that's what they need. So there you go. Let's get your comments in here. Enough of me. Um, <laughs> Funky Orion says, felt bad for the Jazz. What went wrong? Everything. Um, Derek Harris, good morning to you, Derek, says Jazz should uh, lose game six to get this season over with. Their performance all year long has been frustrating. Certainly has been. Uh, James Knight says Donovan's injury is called a loser's limp. I don't know. That looked like he pulled his hamstring. Yeah. That looked like he pulled his hamstring. He, he, he jumped. I will say this about Donovan. He needs to be in better shape. He needs to be a more durable player because this constant ankle injury um, now a hamstring, constantly limping around, constantly laying on the floor. There's an old axiom in, in sports that when you're on the ground, you're going to get hurt. The guys who are always on the ground are always the guys who are hurt. And Donovan Mitchell is always on the ground. Always on the ground. And you can't do it. Look at Luka Doncic last night going up for that dunk. Luka Doncic has no business trying to dunk on Hassan Whiteside. But nobody ever accused Luka Doncic of being a smart player. <laughs> By the way, where did he end up on that play? On the ground. At the feet of a seven uh, of a seven-footer. That's not where you want to be if you're Luka. My point is, Donovan Mitchell's got to be more durable. He's got to be smarter, and he's got to stay off the ground. Donovan Mitchell should not be laying on the ground because the players on the ground are always the ones getting hurt. Uh, good morning, Jordan A. Good morning, and Garcy. Funky says, sorry to comment or ask, is that hamstring injury an excuse to lessen Don's poor effort? No. I think Donovan Mitchell... Um, and I'd have to go back and read his quotes after the game. He did not pull any punches. He straight up said they weren't good enough. You have to give credit to the uh, to Dallas, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell said. They protected their home court. They could have won by 50 tonight. It's one game. We have to go home and take care of business. We'll watch film. We'll adjust and we'll be ready for Thursday. Mitchell also said he'll be fine to play game six on Thursday night. Um, I just... I don't think Donovan is a lot of things. He's a drama queen. Yes. Yeah. Um, he is a guy that lays on the floor a lot. Yes. He's not an excuse maker. He generally owns it. He's not a guy who points fingers at other players or Donovan Mitchell generally owns it and he owns it. Um, and Garcy says jazz are going fishing real soon. Shout out to no Mamba. Uh, okay. I'm not sure what you mean. No Mamba. Uh, Tanner says, it's been said before, but the Jazz need to rebuild badly. I would agree. Uh, Edgar Garcia, good morning, too. He says, they straight up sucked. They were terrible. Might as well talk about delicious tacos. Seriously. Seriously. I had a Jersey Mike sub last night for dinner. Fit right into the calories. 745 calories if you leave if you leave the olive oil off. 545 calories, so I left the olive oil off. Mm -hmm. It was lovely. 
Um, also had Chipotle yesterday for lunch. Not lovely. Um, we should talk about that a little bit too, because I'm kind of tired of, of people who work in a burrito place not being able to roll burritos. <laughs> it's getting a little old. Eric C. says, wasn't going to miss this one either. Okay. Uh, we are... I think you mean where. Where was Quinn's adjustments? Okay, again, and Garcia, I just ask, what adjustments do you want him to make? I The adjustment I wanted him to make was to take Rudy Gobert off the floor, and he wouldn't do it. It's your $41 million guy. You ride with the guys who brought you, riding with Rudy Gobert. And again, don't misquote me on this. Do not misquote me on this. It's not Rudy Gobert's fault he is getting repeatedly beaten to the basket. It's not his fault. He should not be out there guarding a small ball lineup. That's why Rudy Gay is here. Well, I think he's here. I'm not sure, though. I can't confirm He's that. just chilling on the bench. Um, and Garcia said, after last night, we should make the entire show poop and poop-related subjects. We probably should. Yeah. That would be far more compelling. Uh, Eric and Raleigh says the Jazz are done. Eric C. says, save that show for Friday and Garcia when the season flames out. I actually feel pretty good about, about Thursday night. I have a hard time believing they're getting beat at home to end the season. That doesn't feel like how this series will go. And Luka Doncic last night said something that was pretty surprising. Luka said that he is out of shape. He only missed 10 days. Now as a pulled calf, you're probably not doing a lot of cardio. Okay, I get that. But are you so out of shape? That you're having trouble staying at game speed, he said? He's not exactly the most cut player, as we all know. No, I would agree with that. Um, you know, Jesus Christ destroys atheism. Says Donovan's hamstring. This now makes three straight years being banged up. Danny Angel be trading most likely six players and hopefully fire Quinn. He won't stand fat. Trust me. You watch. Okay. Uh, and Garcia says Jazz need them new white and poop brown uniforms. Okay. It's a poop theme for Garcia today. Mm -hmm. Can the Suns hold off the Pelicans? Well, I think that's a very interesting question. Booker is not going to play tonight. And he's got a grade one hamstring tear uh, strain, which, by the way, a hamstring strain, I don't know how many people know this, means there's a little tear in the middle of the hamstring. Um, anytime you hear the word strain, it means that there's tearing in the hamstring. It's not a complete tear. Um, and usually it's in the middle of the muscle fiber, so it's like a little hole. And think about a bed sheet with a hole in the middle of it. That's how it was described to me several years ago. Um, that's what a hamstring strain looks like. Now, if you have a tear, that's usually where the, you know, the edge or the, you know, there's fraying at the, the edge of the hamstring. So it sounds like he's got a pretty significant strain in that hamstring. So they they're, they're going to be careful with that. Yeah. And I, they can beat the Pelicans. They're just going to have to, the problem is Chris Paul is plays slow basketball. Mm -hmm. And now you're going up against, you know, the Nat and Alvarado, um, and, you're going up against a guy in Brandon Ingram who I can only say so many days in a row is a stud in this league. He's the number one, and he doesn't get credit for it. I'm telling you, Brandon Ingram is the guy the Lakers miss. It's not Lonzo Ball. It's not Josh Hart. It's not Kyle Kuzma. They should have kept Brandon Ingram and traded Kyle Kuzma. That's what they should have done. Yeah. Because I think Brandon Ingram is, is clearly, when you look at that series, Brandon Ingram has been the best player in that series after the Devin Booker injury. Dev was clearly, I mean, he was dominating. He was dominating, him, yeah. he was dominating that series. I, I think there's no doubt Brandon Ingram is the best player left in that series right now. And by the way, I think it also should be noted, anybody noticing what, what you know, Fat Ass is doing 
um, in pregame warm-up for the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. And by that, I mean Zion Williamson. Fat. Um, the big thicky uh, is throwing down between-the-legs dunks. He is warming up, cutting. Like, he's a guy that's playing one-on-one versus trainers, and you're telling me he can't give you 15, 20 minutes a night? I'm for real. You're telling me that what we see of Zion Williamson in, in pregame warm-ups, you're telling me he can't play. Oh, he can play. They won't let him play because they're going to trade him. Mm-hmm. And they can't afford him to have another shoe blowout, knee injury, you know, spend more time, you know, eating little Debbies while he rehabs another injury. Mm-hmm. Let that be somebody else's paycheck. And I think that's why I think he's not playing because I think they're going to trade him. But, yeah, I think – I think I do think that the, the Suns win tonight. That game's in Phoenix – my guess is they win. My guess is they win. Um, mercy, you guys, with the comment dump here. Let's see. Um, Eric and Raleigh says, Gobert is a better post defender, but he makes it so the Jazz are playing four on five on offense. Sort of. The problem for Rudy Gobert, or the problem, I should say, with Rudy Gobert for the Jazz is this Jazz team needs fluid motion to really be effective because their best offense is drive and kick with this group of guys. But when Rudy Gobert's on the floor, what's he going to do? He's going to set that high screen and he's going to roll to the basket. So where is he when he does that? He's at the top of the key going to the paint. What happens when Rudy Gobert's in the paint? They don't throw him the ball, number one. And number two, he clogs up the, the, the cutting routes. He, he, you, you're not running through there with the basketball because you're going to lose it. That's why there's so many turnovers in the middle because Rudy Gobert brings multiple guys in to the paint because they're going to sag to stop the lob and they know if the lob's not coming that Rudy's just going to be there so they just put a body on him and they play space with him. So you're taking space because you don't have to guard him. Like you don't need a forearm in his lower back because the guy has no move. So you don't respect his back-to-the-basket game. You just have to protect against the lob with Rudy. And when they're not shooting the three well, they don't have to, you know, they can sag more. So they're taking Rudy away, and you're not shooting the three well. What do they really have to defend? Which is why Dorian Finney-Smith can double Bogdanovich on the block. Okay, so Ruff's official says the length you guys will go to, not to criticize your hero, no D, too short, no mid-game, little Don. So have we not criticized Donovan Mitchell today? What are you talking about? Ruffs, I, I mean, I appreciate that you're here, man, but you never have anything constructive to say. You never add. You just want to come in here and fight. So until you bring constructive, I'm not going to read your comment because it just you 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 never have you never have anything but you guys love Donovan Mitchell. Okay, well, give me something other than that, perhaps. And our biggest criticism of Donovan Mitchell is that he's got to add a, a mid range game. You've been saying for. How I mean, it has a to year. be months or longer, a year, okay? And I just like, said he was out of shape. Yeah, like how do you like what more am I going to say about that? What do you want me to say? He didn't shoot well. The whole fucking team shot poorly. Yeah, like, is that a Donovan Mitchell problem? We've talked about that he hasn't shot well the entire series. I mean, I I just don't. What is there to say about that? What is there to say about Donovan Mitchell's performance other than he's out of shape now? He hasn't shot well. He's been constantly injured for a year battling these ankle injuries, like, what more is there to say? Yeah. You don't want to hear that he's the exact player they need to build around. They're built around Rudy Gobert currently, and that is a wasted effort. It was the wrong tack to take. They should be built around Donovan Mitchell. You don't want to hear that because you don't like the guy. It's 
to me, like five people asked yesterday, are you guys even Utah Jazz fans? No, we're not. No, I'm not. I don't. You no. can be what you want to be. I'm not a Utah Jazz fan. I am objective to it. I was born and raised in Chicago. I'm a Bulls fan, have been, and probably always will be. I am not a Utah Jazz fan. It allows me to be objective. I've seen this team play for 10 years. And this is the same team over and over again. It's not hard to diagnose. It isn't. Nothing has changed with Ryan Smith. Nothing. You want somebody to blame, that's the guy you blame. You don't blame Donovan Mitchell when the whole team doesn't shoot well. You don't. You Anyway. It, it's not worth the time. I think the Jazz celebrated too hard when they won game four. That's probably why they were tired. I don't know why they were tired. It's ridiculous. Yeah, It is ridiculous to me that it's ridiculous to me that you're that tired, that you were essentially standing still. That's ridiculous. You know, it, it just is, it's, it's amazing to me that you have the talent you have on this team. Listen, look at the numbers last night. Look at the numbers last night. Royce O'Neal, five points. Boyan Bogdanovich scored two points last night. Boyan Bogdanovich scored two points last night. For a guy that I think you need, you, he, if, they, if he doesn't score 20, they just about don't win. And he scored two points. It's incredible. You look at Don scoring nine points. Four of 15 from the floor. Oh, of seven from three. He scored nine points. Your best player, your superstar, scored nine points. Yeah. There's the you. The problem is this is that game. If this is February, you just throw this game out and forget it ever happened. The problem is it's April and it's Game Five of a playoff series, and you no showed. And up the what I think, what I think again was the biggest game of the year. Two two in a in a seven game series. Game five is the whole thing. This yeah. is your entire this is your entire kit and caboodle in this game. And your best player scores nine points. And then you look at some of the other performances, like 23 minutes out of Daniel House, and he scores eight points, four rebounds, no steals, one block. I mean, it, it, it's incredible. It's incredible that Jordan Clarkson was your best player last night. 32 minutes, he scored 20 points. Yeah, he's probably been the best player, you know, I mean, for most of the series. For it's them. crazy. The box score last night, it, you would have think they lost by 50. I, and I don't know how they didn't. I really don't. Uh, Tanner says, I don't think Quinn gets canned if the Jazz get blown out in game six. He's not the main problem. The roster construction is the main problem. If they lose again the way they lost last night, he's done. They, he's done. You can't bring him back. You cannot. It, it is. And I love Quinn, as you know. I respect the hell out of that guy. I think he's, I think he's top three, maybe four coaches in the NBA. I mean, if Steve Kerr and Monty Williams are one and two, I mean, if you look at the guys left in the playoff, he's better than Doc Rivers by far, in my opinion. Um, I mean, you you look at Nick Nurse in Toronto is a very good head coach. Um, I mean, other than that, I, I look out West. I, there's not, there's not, I don't know if I would take anybody else over Quinn out West. Um. I mean, other than Monty Williams, who I think yeah. has done a great job. But other than that, I, I mean, Quinn Snyder, to me, is is an, an excellent head coach. Steve Kerr, I would take Steve Kerr. Um, Yeah, I think he's top four or five coaches. Yeah, and I think that's for itself. Like, yeah. I mean, I think what he's had to work with and what they've been able to do as a team, like, I, I almost feel like this season, 
makes the, the what they did last year even more impressive. Like, you know, being the one seed in the NBA last season, like the postseason that you did have, even though you flamed out against the Clippers, like now this season, the way it's gone down, I'm like, damn, dude, like you, you did, you did crazy work last year. You did, you did God's work last year, frankly, because this team, I, and, and that's the thing that's so befuddling to me and probably what we'll talk about this summer. How is it that you were, you were that team last year you basically have the same roster this year, and you're nothing alike. This is this is just two completely different teams. Uh, Jimmy, uh, we'll get to uh, – Jimmy asked about Ukraine, but his comment got filtered. We'll get to Ukraine uh, and the non-sports stories today. Uh, a couple more, and then I, I we really need to get to the rest of the NBA. Uh, Eric and Raleigh says the Jazz players just don't want to be there. I totally disagree with that. Totally disagree with that. Um, I think this Jazz team is full of incredibly proud professional players who just can't do it at the level that they did two years ago. Bogdanovich gives you know, his heart like, every night, dude. Like, yeah, I mean, you you can say a lot of things about this Jazz roster that they that they quit is shocking, and I do think they gave up. I think quit's a strong word. They gave up last night. I think that they got they got beaten into submission. I mean, at at, at in the third quarter that they came out and just absolutely got destroyed by the the Mavs last night yeah they gave up but I think you see the problem is you're watching guys like Royce O'Neal throw body blocks because he has nothing else to do he has nothing else to do and it's embarrassing it is embarrassing that they that they have sunk into that level I look at Boyan Bogdanovich you can say a lot of things about Boyan I don't think he he I don't think Boyan Bogdanovich is like man I fucking hate it here let me throw up a brick like that, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Most of the guys who play in Salt Lake City love playing in Salt Lake City. I think Boyan, I think Rudy Gobert loves playing here. Um, I think Rudy Gobert would be here the rest of his career if they would let him. Hopefully they don't. Um, I don't think guys here are like, I can't wait to get out of here. I just don't think that's the case. I think you're looking at guys, and Boyan's probably the best example of this. He's just not physically capable of com at competing at the top end of the, the NBA. I mean, he's just not athletically gifted that way. And he really never has been. What is his highest, best skill always been? Well, he's always been a sniper. And now he's the ball's not going in the hole. And it's a lot of it is because he can't create the space to make the shot anymore. Well, and what do you – I mean, certainly some of that is there. he's playing a ton of full-court defense. Like, we've seen a lot in this series that he's picking guys up 94 feet away and playing that defense all the way down – to the other end. So you can't yeah. tell me because he hasn't been doing that all season. So you can't tell me that that level of effort isn't having at least some impact on his ability to make threes as far as fatigue is concerned. Yeah. I, I, I just think yeah, call it what you want. I mean, he's boy. Bogdanovich looks tired. Yeah. I mean, he just looks, they don't rotate defensively. You, you, okay. So what is it? You either don't know to rotate or you can't rotate. They know to rotate because you can tell they're just too slow to get there. That Reggie Bullock three on top where he was open by five feet is just, I mean, it's unacceptable, man. Like, There's a lot of hate for Luka Doncic in the comments, and I'm right there with you. He is, in my opinion, Luka Doncic remains one of the most unlikable players in the NBA. Mm -hmm. I mean, the flopping stuff, the constant bitching at the official – you know, this thing with Hassan Whiteside last night, get out of here. Like, you're you're not a tough guy. You're not dunking on anybody. Yeah. Like, just shut up and suck it. Like, I'm, I mean, <laughs> you're just, a, you're a jackass, man. Like, I, the problem is he's really talented. He's a, he's a very good player. But he's that soft Euro player, you know? Like, I, I just don't know. 
I, I like. There's so many moments in that game. I mean, the penultimate moment is Royce O'Neal on a night where you can't buy a three, where the broadcasters are saying, you know, like, like I think he said something to the Spiridita said something to the effect of you can't hit the broadside of a barn. Yeah. And then Royce body blocks Luca, and they cancel a three that actually went in. I mean, how how much clearer of an example of the terrible night you're having is that? You know, like it just yes. just is what it is. Um, Conley and O'Neal need to not touch the court. They are done. Mike Conley, the problem is you're paying Mike Conley $21 million a year. You're paying the luxury tax. His ass needs to play. Yeah, and that's kind of a narrative on this team, isn't it? Paying I guys mean, a lot of money who who aren't exactly – you know, difference making, if you will. You're seeing the the you're seeing Daniel House come back to the middle. Daniel House just is essentially attacking Boyan Bogdanovich the other night. Guy, know your role, know who you are. Like you you can't be mouthing off at somebody on the bench. And you're an average player. Like you're watching, you're asking so much out of a guy like Daniel House. You're asking him to be a cleanup hitter when he's a He's a guy that should be a utility player who plays once every other day. And you're asking him to be a guy for you. I mean, I just, I, I was happy to see that smaller defensive minded lineup, but not with Rudy Gobert. Like it, it, it just doesn't, they don't have the pieces to fit. They really don't. You know, I, I, I just think that, that y you, with Rudy on the floor specifically, and I don't mean to be redundant. I know we've pounded this topic into the ground, but you either got to give him the ball a hell of a lot more or he can't be on the floor. And the problem is that Rudy, if you throw Rudy the ball in the mid post, put him in the middle of the paint, throw him the ball. He is a really good passer. I, and I'm being serious, but he won't pass. He wants to dribble. He wants to bring the ball down, dribble it, and then try to do a finger, finger roll layup. That's always a turnover. It's always a turnover. They repeated the stat last night on the NBA postgame show. He is 18%. 18% when he dribbles the ball. Eight, I said 18% when he dribbles the ball. That's horrendous. By far the worst in the NBA. With one dribble or more. It's it's terrible. Like, it, it's just terrible. Yeah. So, if you give him the ball more, and this is what I say to guys like Ruff's official and everybody else who wants Rudy to get the ball more, why would you want that? Tell me the positivity that comes from feeding Rudy Gobert. What good happens when you give him the ball? If you're not lobbing it to him, that play the other night to win game four. You lobbed him the ball, he dunked it. He's going to do, he's going to convert that 70 something percent of the time. I'm all good to lob Rudy the ball and let him dunk it. But what are the Dallas Mavericks doing to prevent that? Last night you saw it. They attached a body to him, whether it was Jalen Brunson, whether it was, you know, Maxi Kleba at one point, Dinwiddie had him at one point. They always had somebody's ass on his hip. You're not going to get that lob. So now, okay, let's throw him the ball in the post. Like it's what game was that? Game two? Yeah. They came out, handed him the ball, immediately he turned it over three, four times. You tried to throw him the ball in the post, turned it over. What what good have you seen from Rudy where you're like, oh, I got to give him the ball more. Oh, but Monty, we lobbed it to him and he won the game. It was a lob, man. It's not, hey, let's design a play. That was a broken run up the floor. Let's make it happen play. You understand that, right? That's how the lobs to him happen. 
They have one set where they run Mike Conley off of a high screen. Rudy runs outside of the block, right? So you have the, the paint. The, the set calls for him to be on the outside of that paint, running to the rim, and Conley or, or Don throw him a lob. That's the design play for Rudy. They've, why do you think they've stopped feeding him the ball? You notice they haven't thrown him the ball in the post the rest of the series since Saturday, I guess that was. And he tried to post up last night. And they didn't throw him the ball because it's a negative return. And you're down like 117 points. I'm not throwing Rudy Gobert the ball in the post. I need to make threes. Now, unfortunately, they shot three at 30. It didn't work out well. So is what it is. Can't dish much to Rudy. Can't catch the ball. That's the other thing. He's not... Him and DeAndre Ayton have this in common. Rudy is a much better receiver of the basketball. DeAndre Ayton just can't catch the ball. Yeah. He does not catch it well. Rudy Gobert catches it, but he bobbles it a lot because he has to move it. He knows. And I, I think you'll see him work this out of his game. He catches the ball, and what's he do? Because he generally gets the ball here. And what's he immediately do? Boom. Ball comes down to his shoulders, chest level. You get below them nips, boy, and you in mm -hmm. trouble. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's what happens. And so what's he do? Ball comes here, and then you'll see him pivot and try to power power dribble. And it, it's an immediate turnover. Because as soon as he puts the ball on the floor, where does it go? To his left hand, because that's what his comfort is. But what's the problem? Because he's on the right block. So what's the problem? When you are lined up on the right, if the ball's in your left hand, now you're away from the basket and he has no jump shot. So it just doesn't work, and their offense doesn't facilitate him on the, the left block at all. Well, and there's no coming back from when he – let's say he does get that shot up. It's really hard to rebound that for the Jazz because the Mavericks are collapsing. Everybody's right there. At least on the three ball, the Jazz have a chance. Yeah. Uh, Eric C says, Don's a drama queen. He is anything but a drama queen. Jazz fans don't know how to treat their stars. When I say that Don's a drama queen, what I mean by that is, is that Donovan will lay on the floor and roll around and slam his hands on the floor. Last night is a great example. He, he hurts his hamstring and immediately signals to come out of the game. No problem. But then what's he do? Bends over on the baseline limps to the sideline, stops in front of the bench, bends over in pain. Oh God, I'm in pain. Takes three steps behind the bench. Wait, cameras are on. Okay, bend over. I'm in pain. Then he gets to the mouth of the tunnel where you walk into the locker room area, stops at the mouth of the tunnel and bends over in pain. Come on, guy. Just walk back to the locker room. Everybody knows you hurt your hamstring. We all, we get it. We get it. That's what I mean by he's a drama queen. Yeah. That's what I mean. He is a superstar by any measure. There is no doubt about that. You know, um, Ruff's official says Rudy can dunk with ease and has 72% field goal percentage. Little Don, here we go with the name calling again. Little Don has no mid-range game and shoots 30%. So why not dish to Rudy as much as possible? Because he turns the ball over. I just explained it. The 70% stat is one of the, like, we've been talking about that stat for months. Like, everybody wants to say, oh, he's got 70% from the field. Yeah, I'd have 70% from the field if all my attempts came from the restricted area. Like, you have to understand, like, take it with a grain of salt. It's not like Rudy's out here at the at the elbow or the three-point line and he's shooting 70%. And again, I'm just asking you, man, is that your best offense on this team? If Rudy Gobert is dunking the basketball, you only get two points for that. This team thrives when they shoot and make threes. 
This team thrives. And by the way, why did he have a big game last night? Because they shot historically bad from three. He had 17 points and 15 rebounds. His best, highest use is when they're not making jump shots. And he, because he's he's arguably the best rebounder in the NBA, Rudy is. So he, he, he feasts when they miss shots. Like, let's not, the thing I hate is when we do, oh, well, he's 70% from the field. Or, or we take, and we see this all the time on Twitter, we're going to take a stat, we're going to use that stat to build an argument, but that stat is is a house of cards. It it doesn't apply to the floor. Yeah, it's incredibly like, misleading. It's 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 it just is not it, it's not realistic. Do you, can I agree that Don needs a better mid range? Can I agree? I in in I've been a little bit harsher on Don. I don't think he's shown up in this series the he way hasn't. he should have. Like I just don't think that he's done what he needed to do. We can talk about that. But let's not say that, well, we need to give the ball to Rudy because little Don or no Mamba Don or whatever the hell they call him is is not a good option. He's your best option, and he's not playing well. That's a problem that needs to be fixed. Yeah, I, I just think that Rudy Gobert has a very specific use. He has a very specific use. He cannot create his own shot. You cannot throw him the ball because he cannot dribble. He... I, and I, and I just say, okay, if 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 his field goal percentage is seventy two percent, but he 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 only converts on eighteen percent of of possessions where he dribbles one or more times. How can you give him the ball and say, hey, post up and let's give? I mean, it makes no sense. And by the way, by the way, what happened it, it when they no took him sense. off the floor? What happened to the rest of the team when they took him off? the they floor? They got much faster because Eric Pascal comes in usually in his stead. And just runs up and down the floor. Now, Donovan Mitchell shooting an air ball on a wide open layup at the front of the rim. I don't know how you explain that. Eric Pascal missing two bunnies last night. Don't know how you explain that. Um, one fan pointed out on, on Twitter last night that if that had been Rudy, he would have dunked that the layup that Donovan missed. The problem is Donovan created that layup from the top of the key. So Rudy would have never been in that situation. Yeah. So, like, we can sit here and we can – why is it so hard for for all of the – rough and, – and even I'll ask you this. Remember, these guys aren't calling names anymore, so I don't expect to see nacho cheese or buckets of bullet. Bucket of bullets has nothing to do with the Jazz, by the way. <laughs> it's nothing to yeah, do with the Jazz. What know. are you talking about? Um, and I do call him – I do call him Wenacho Belgrande all the time. That's not like little Donnie. Like, what are you talking about? It's what are a you play talking on about? His name. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm gonna move on because it's just ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. Michael Burton says again, you can't expect to win a championship in this league relying on one or two stars. You need more than that in this league. Yeah, and I think Boston's showing you that. Mm -hmm. Boston's got Tatum. Boston's got Brown, but they've also got Daniel Tice and Marcus Smart, the Defensive Player of the Year. You've got Williams. You've got you know all of these guys that play their role really well, really, really well. And I think that's what makes teams like Miami very good because Miami plays their, their, their well-coached and they, their role players play really well. The Jazz role players are very limited. Guys like Daniel House, guys like Royce O'Neal, they're very limited. And at the minimum, you need your starting five to contribute and do their job. And in this series, the Jazz starting five have not. By the way, all right, um, real quick, on Brooklyn, how much blame does Kevin Durant deserve? No, I think he deserves a lot of blame. I think it's his team. You know, I, I I think that I think that Kevin, because he's Kevin Durant, 
he's he needs to to bear the responsibility. Do I think he played his ass off and and gave it everything he had? Yeah, absolutely. But that wasn't good enough. And I think that, you know, I this team, I agree, went through a lot this year. But that's mostly their fault. Like the Kyrie thing, like him yesterday saying that it, I wasn't trying to make it about me and we did everything we could so that I can play. Well, I got news. It was about you. It was a choice. It is on you. You wouldn't get vaccinated, so you couldn't play. Like, that's your choice and your responsibility. Like, that's why we see the lack of continuity play out in the playoffs against the best defensive team in the league. Am I a Kevin Durant guy? Yes, I am. Have a field day with me today. I don't really care. The guy is the best player in the league. He didn't live up to it. And I got news for you. The reason he probably wasn't able to live up to it is because he's been living up to it all year. He's carried this team all year. At some point, the 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 free ride for the rest of the squad runs out. I mean, you can only ask them to do so much for so long. Their three best players showed out last night. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Seth Curry all played very well. The problem is you got two points out of Bruce Brown. You got nothing out of Andre Drummond. Um, you got nothing out of Blake Griffin, who finally was getting significant minutes. He played 18 minutes last night and didn't score. Um, you know, I mean, your role players ultimately win for you. I And I look at Boston, and again, I just think – Tatum scores 29. Jalen Brown gives him 22. Marcus Smart gives him 20. Um, you get 13 from Horford, 14 from Grant Williams. You know, you're you're getting, you know, the other Williams back in shape. Like, they're a team that's full of role players that execute. They're a better team. Yeah. Like, we and, shouldn't be scared to say they're a better team than Brooklyn. And I look at I look at Toronto last night and the way that the, the Raptors dominated Philadelphia. Um, you know, you again. They did that, I would remind you, without Fred Van Vliet, who, who is out. And what happened? You got Gary Trent Jr. scoring 16 points in 39 minutes and absolutely filling the bill. And you get Scotty Barnes and uh, Anobi and Pascal Siakam was fantastic last night. And, uh, you know, Achua off the bench was big. Like, all of their guys contributed, and they blew out a Philadelphia 76er team um, who got 20 points from Joel Embiid, who after the game said, it's by far my worst performance of the postseason. And I would agree with that. Um, you know, you, you all of this, the, the problem for the Sixers was they had no bench last night. All of their starters scored in double digits. I mean, you, James Harden had 15 and, and seven dimes. Um, but you got nothing from George Niang. You got nothing from Reed. Thibault was a zero last night. And now they got to, you know, you, you remember this game was in Philadelphia. Now they got to go to Toronto and have no thigh bowl there because yeah. he's not vaccinated. Like Philadelphia is in trouble, man. Is that is that 2-2 or is that 3-2? That is 3-2. Uh, Philly leads that game 3 yeah, or that three, series 3-2. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're going to be in for a dogfight. And then I, I look tonight at, at what's, what's going on in, in New Orleans, the New Orleans-Phoenix series. That that game and and the Minnesota Memphis game, both those series are at two two. And I don't know, I haven't seen an update on Anthony Edwards, but boy, you feel really good about Minnesota. By the way, John Morant, the most improved player mm -hmm. uh for the for the twenty twenty two season. I mean, there's significant injuries happening around the NBA right now, and I I, I firmly believe that it's because of the cycle that we've seen since the bubble. Yes. Played the bubble, compressed schedule last year. NBA, look at Devin Booker, compressed schedule two years ago, NBA finals last year, Olympics last year, short summer, right into a full NBA season where he plays a full, full slate of games because Book was pretty much uninjured this year. I want to say he played 70 games, um, but you, you look at, you look at the, the wear and tear 
that's going on with the, with the with the a lot of stars around the NBA. This is not a surprise. This is not a surprise at all. And I think when you you look at a guy like Devin Booker, all the games he played, he went from the NBA Finals, flew to all the way, you know, a 14-hour flight all the way to the Olympics, and now you come back and you're making a, a, a playoff run. He played 68 games this year. Yeah. And he averages 34 and a half minutes. I mean, that's a that is a lot of minutes for a guy that's played all those games. So it's not surprising he has a hamstring injury. Yeah. And the real issue is he had a career year scoring. And, you know, the guy shoots 38% from three, 26 and a half, uh, 26.8 points a game, and now he's hurt. And you're you're in a dogfight with New Orleans. So a lot of this stuff is not surprising to me. It, it really is not. And that's the thing about the Jazz. You have all your guys. Yeah, that's the real ball breaker. There's nothing – it's not like you're dealing with injuries. I mean, obviously – Don last night a little bit, but he said he, you know, he basically, if you go off his word, he'll be fine. So, you know, you've had, you've had your guys and the other thing, you know, while you've been talking and listing off a lot of these names, like, you know, when you're talking about, you know, Toronto or, or Philly or, you know, these other series, even, even Boston, you listen to these names and you start to understand, man, there's a lot of athleticism on these teams. They may not be the best players in the league, you know, like Robert Williams in Boston, isn't the best big in the league, but man, can he play, you know, and he works hard. He hustles. You know, I I look at Toronto. They they're a team full of guys who are not nearly even close to the best team or talent in the league. But they're work hard guys. They have a lot of athleticism. That's how they win games. The Jazz have to win games by not by not committing stupid fouls and shooting forty percent from three. That's just an unrealistic expectation in today's game. Like a lot of these games, like last night, I think I, I you know during the Brooklyn game. Towards the end there, they were talking about how Durant, I, I, I think at the time he had 28 points. And, and three of those points came from three at that time in the game. Like this, this the NBA is shifting towards paint play, like mid-range play, right? So to be a 3 and D team, you better be knocking that down like every night. Yeah, you need to be an elite mid-range player if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to perform at the highest levels. Uh, all right, please make sure you give us a thumbs up and a like. Appreciate you guys being here. Um, giving us a thumbs up on this show really helps the channel grow. Um, so if you're here watching the show, please do give us a thumbs up. Uh, real quick, I'm going to get to uh, Trevor Bauer because there was a significant update in the Trevor Bauer story yesterday. Um, first of all, Major League Baseball needs to get off the pot here. Um, he had his uh, administrative leave extended again uh, to this Friday, and hopefully there's going to be a decision on a suspension. I don't know why they're waiting um, because it's very clear he's going to be suspended for the rest of the year. Most people think he will not play this year, um, which I think would be a, a, an incredible travesty of justice, especially now knowing yesterday that Trevor Bauer filed a civil lawsuit for defamation against the woman who accused him of sexual and physical assault uh, over the summer, and really it was late last year, um, carrying over into uh, you know the, the winter, spring, and now into the summer, uh, accused him of sexually assaulting her and causing great bodily harm. Yesterday, Trevor Bauer filed a defamation suit against the woman and her lawyer in court um, and plainly stated, yeah, these were all lies. They were not, they were, the, there was no truth in this. And if you're dating... There's a couple of things. If you're a guy that's single and you're dating, you need to pay very close attention to this because when you look at Trevor Bauer's situation, 
he was not smart in that he dated a woman that was very clearly a get-around girl in that she had been with many major league players, number one. Number two, she was a noted and very clear San Diegan and a fan of the San Diego Padres, and he still got involved with her and then had a just torrid physical relationship with her, but he got it in writing. And he is trying to, one of the major tipping points here is Trevor Bauer has filed a subpoena for the phone records of the woman that accused him because his lawyer is saying that those phone records paint a very clear picture that this was a cash grab by the woman who was accusing Trevor Bauer of these heinous crimes. Now, remember what happened. They had multiple sexual encounters where she claims that Trevor Bauer physically pummeled her, punched her in her her sex parts, in her body, just physically battered her, did terrible sexual acts to her that she did not agree to or want. And yet she went back for a second time. And the exact same thing happened, and it got worse. They conversed, kept in communication afterward. Trevor Bauer is maintaining that she told friends certain things and then made things up when she went to get the restraining order and called the police. Remember that the Los Angeles um, district attorney declined to file charges in the case, and essentially the restraining order request was laughed out of court by the judge like, quite literally laughed out of court by the judge. Yeah. And now Trevor Bauer has turned around and filed a defamation suit against this woman and her attorney. Now, remember also, Trevor Bauer has essentially lost his career, even though he's on administrative paid leave. He has lost his career. He has not pitched. He missed a, a playoff run last year. The biggest moments of his career. He has not played for the Dodgers in going on a year now. He has lost all kinds of endorsement dollars. Like this has been incredibly damaging to him. I am by no means saying, and hear me clearly on this, I am by no means saying that Trevor Bauer is innocent. He is no saint. He made many, many foolish decisions in this process. But Trevor Bauer does not deserve what he's getting. Trevor Bauer will never be made whole. Now, I don't care how much money he winds up extracting from this woman. It does not matter. Trevor Bauer's never going to recover in name, in reputation, and in finances. He'll never recover. And that is, in my opinion, all because a woman went to entrap him. There's no other way. If you base, if you base on the evidence that is public knowledge, she tried to entrap him. She tried to extract a million-dollar payout from him. And when he said, fuck off, I'm not paying you, that's when things got nasty. Mm -hmm. And I applaud him because I think he knew that this was uphill and running in the mud uphill. And now he's in limbo because Major League Baseball doesn't have the balls or the fortitude to make a decision here. But I would, again, just reiterate, this is a cautionary tale. This is a cautionary tale for both women and men. You better get it in writing. If it is something that is outside of the norm, because we have no ability to be open-minded, all we want to do is judge and 
pass verdict on people who do anything that is not sexually comfortable for us. And that's what Trevor Bauer did here. There are people who like violent sex. Is that normal? Well, for them it is. Is it normal for me? No, I don't partake in that. But for Trevor Bauer, and very clearly for this woman, that's their flavor of ice cream, friends. And I don't judge them for that. I don't think Trevor Bauer should be suspended at all. Because now it looks like Trevor Bauer fell into a honeypot. That's what this looks like to me. I don't think he should be suspended. I think he should be playing. I don't think he'll ever play for the Dodgers again. And frankly, I think, and I knew Mrs. Monty would have some comment on this, I think he'll never play for the Dodgers. And frankly, I think there is a more than 55, 60% chance that we never see Trevor Bauer throw a major league pitch again. I'm just going to say I agree. I agree with you. Wow. Like I, I think that we do, we judge people on things that we think are deviant or whatever, but I, I think it was entrapment. Um, I think that, man, it is, it is really tough for athletes of any sex or gender. You, if you, or even any public figure, you really have to protect yourself. Um, and normal people probably too, you know, average people like us. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you do have to protect yourself. If you do not know this person, have a trusting relationship with them, you better get it in writing. You better. Mm-hmm. You better get that. It like mm-hmm. it, and and maybe that feels more awkward. But man, how bad do you want it? Yeah. Do you want your whole life, you know, <laughs> to be dragged through the mud? And yeah. but it's unfortunate. I don't think there should be anything keeping that guy from from playing ball. Playing ball, right? No. But and, again, and Garcy says it's time to trade him to the Padres. Wow. <laughs> Who is the guy, that Mr. Massage guy? Uh, Deshaun Watson. Right. So two totally different deals. Yeah. Like, see, he's a, yeah. he's another one. He's I think another this whole one situation though, where athletes find themselves in these unique situations, you know, because they, they're, they're having a little bit too much fun. And I think the only difference here is that, is that Bauer didn't do anything wrong. You may not like it. It may seem foreign to you, but he didn't do anything wrong based on the evidence we have. The Deshaun thing is more shocking because there is this whole idea that he flew people in and was doing things that yes. they didn't want, basically sexually assaulting people, and he's still going to play. And the, the the hilarious thing about that situation is Deshaun's not paying a price. He, he no. He's not paying a price. Baker Mayfield's paying a price. I think Deshaun Watson will not play this season in the NFL. I think he and will that be may be very true, but here's the thing: the issue I have with it, even if he doesn't play, Baker gets to go to an, a whole new situation, and who the hell knows oh, the where Browns he lands horribly up? Horribly like, mismanaged. I agree with that. Like, so but. that's why I say, like, with with Trevor Bauer, maybe he never plays for the Dodgers again. I I have a tough time believing he'll never play Major League Baseball again. But I just think okay. in these situations, like, why is it that that like why is it that Trevor Bauer? shouldn't play for the Dodgers or won't play for the Dodgers again. Cause I, I guess I can agree with that, but like, let's say he never does play baseball again. How is that the outcome of this situation when he didn't do anything wrong? That's the problem I have with it. Yeah. I I, I mean, it's brutal. The whole thing's brutal, but I, I, who is the team? Like, if you think about Trevor Bauer's options, the NL West is not an option. The San Francisco giants will not employ him. Um, I don't believe but the LA Dodgers it, will employ him. That's what's so interesting to me, though. Why won't you employ this guy? Is it just because he oh, did some stuff? Oh, it's because oh, oh, oh. Let's not let's not even pull punches on this. We are so scared to acknowledge that people like sex in this country. 
We live in a state where sexual repression is a way of life. The state of Utah mm -hmm. is one of the most sexually repressed states in the union. That's true. And what I'm telling you is it shouldn't matter what you like sexually. This is our whole homophobic situation in this country. Like, I, I mean, you, you look at the, the, the large swaths of people in this country who won't acknowledge trans human beings simply because of how they were born. You look at the whole swath of this country who would never vote for, talk to, be around, oh my God, what will I catch? He's gay. I can't be in the same room. Will I catch the gay? All, That's all, who we are as Americans. All because of how that person loves someone else. Like, and it, it, it's it, so bizarre to me. We, we, we in this country have a problem with sex. And I'll tell you again, is, is for, for any man... You better understand how the dating game is played because if, if you don't understand that you don't have to be a millionaire ball player, a millionaire president, a millionaire tycoon of business, I mean, look at Bill Gates. <laughs> Bill Gates gave away half of his billion dollar fortune. And I don't care who you are. When you give away half of just a billion that's a lot of fucking money. That's still half a billion. But when when that happened because you were banging some chick at the office, allegedly, when you're Bill Clinton and you lose a legacy because you got a beige in the in the oval, when you're the Kennedys and you're out banging Marilyn Monroe, you do you really think you the, the UPS driver? Do you think you the cop? Do you think you the whoever? Do you think you're going to get away with that? You're not going to get away with that. This and you know, fucking America. You know the worst part of it is? How many women in this country are sexually assaulted and don't report it? Mm -hmm. It happens every day in this country because we have problems with sex. Because as parents, we will not talk about it. And I look at this Trevor Bauer situation specifically. Trevor Bauer, Deshaun Watson, made one critical mistake mentally. They thought they were above it mm -hmm. because I'm Trevor Bauer. Because I'm Deshaun Watson, girls want to have sex with me when I call them for, for a massage, allegedly. Mm -hmm. They want to see my penis because I'm a quarterback, allegedly. That's the problem. We can't openly honest, open and honestly talk about sex in this country. And it leads to stuff like this. It, it does. There's a stigma around Trevor Bauer. He, he physically, I don't know what you want to say. He laid hands on a woman while they were having sex. He allegedly choked her. I don't know what happened now. He allegedly choked her, and it was consensual. She asked for all the pain. That's a quote from a text message. After their first altercation, she texted him and said, I'm ready for all the pain. And somehow he's the one losing millions of dollars over it. In his career, in his image, and everything. And you know what? Sean Mirzinski, he says he's still getting $230 million guaranteed. But again, and this is the disconnect between me, the guy that's a paycheck worker, and Trevor Bauer, who's getting $230 million guaranteed. Here's the thing you don't understand. The money isn't the money for them. The money, why do you think Trevor Bauer, if you follow Trevor Bauer here on YouTube, you watch his vlogs, you should. Follow him on TikTok. He's actually an interesting follow. Do you think Trevor Bauer's out throwing bullpen sessions in Washington, D.C. in the middle of the night? Do you think Colin Kaepernick is working out on high school fields with teenagers mm. because he wants the money? These guys don't have to do the things they do. Trevor Bauer is getting the money whether he wants it or not. 
right? Whether they want to pay him or not. He's in Washington, D.C., filing a lawsuit. I think he is, I think it's Washington where he went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was throwing in a, in a Trevor Bauer is so although he's got the money. He's so about the money that he is in a grass field in front of the White House playing long toss to keep his arm in shape. And making bald eagle jokes on his blogs. They're not about the money at this point, man. <laughs> like when you make that much money, the money almost becomes invisible. There's nothing like being on the mound in a major league stadium. Like there's nothing that will replace that. No amount of money replaces no. that. No amount of money replaces taking a snap on an NFL field. No amount of money replaces, you know, like getting to the playoffs and you're given sport and, and being in those moments. That's what they want. Yeah. Uh, Elon Musk bought Twitter. Officially, it was announced yesterday. Yeah, how do we all feel about this? I use Twitter on a regular basis, but I will say I hate Twitter. I can't stand it. Um, I use it multiple times every day. Uh, I think it is a detestable platform. So when it comes to Twitter, I'm split. What do you guys think? Like, Mrs. Monty, what do you think the upside of the positives of Elon Musk buying Twitter are? I have no positives. I don't know. Like, I like. Here's the thing that I worry about: uh-huh. is that he's concerned that it's locked down too much and it's kicked too many people off, and it needs to be. Well, who's freer. the first person that commented on that? Marjorie Taylor Green. Well, yeah, Marjorie Taylor Green. As soon as that came out, said he's going to give me my Twitter account back. And the second person who commented on that, Donald Trump. Well, who said I'm not coming back to Twitter? Yeah, he's going because he hate because he and Elon Musk are are. Our, our blood feud enemies. So he won't come back. And he's trying to Look, build a Elon, social platform. Elon is not buying Twitter because he wants to give everyone's Twitter accounts back. Elon is buying Twitter because he it's a cash grab and he wants to revolutionize the platform because it's old. It is an old, uh, outdated platform. I mean, his one of his biggest stances is getting every human being on, verify, or on Twitter verified. verified. And, and I think that's smart. But what will that do? Here's the other thing that people don't talk about. Yeah. What? A ton of people with that are, and Donald Trump is one of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that are on Twitter that have like 100 million followers, buy those followers. Yes. And who are they buying? They're buying robots mm-hmm. that will follow them. And so what does Elon want to do? He wants to knock all of the robots, the bots, off of Twitter. He wants to purify Twitter, essentially. So what's going to happen to all those people with all those followers? All of a sudden, they're going to wake up one morning. I'm sure I only have 5,000. I think I have 4,100 or something like that on, mm-hmm. on Twitter. I guarantee you if he went, if and when this goes through, because by the way, they still have a whole lot of shit it's to go It's three through. to six months till he officially owns yeah. it and can start putting So I have 5,171 Twitter followers. How many of those are bots? I've got to think. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a decent portion. A thousand? Whether you pay for them or not. And you haven't paid for bots. I just no, I've never paid for Twitter followers. But, like, there's a good portion of them that, that probably are because that's what Twitter <laughs> is. And I'm telling if you. If I paid for followers and only had 5,100, I'd be throwing my money away. That'd be sad. That would be. I, I hope he does improve it. I stopped. I, I still have a Twitter account, but I'm not on Twitter anymore just because it got, like, it, it often is just a hate box. Like... You oh, know, it's the butthole of society. It's not where you want to be. People are making fun of other people or they are hating on other people. There's not like a... What social media do you like? Because you're not a big social media person, generally at all. speaking. Generally speaking. Uh, you know, I, I've Instagram is the one that I've gravitated towards the most. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because Facebook is just all the drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm not on Facebook. It is at all. totally. It, you know, and uh, Twitter. Twitter can be exciting. Like, I it, Twitter is very fun when there's like a hurricane or something. You can see all kinds of comments. Like, there's a lot of information. But out look there. at look at the Donald but, Trumps and the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world. Mm-hmm. The reason they're not on Twitter anymore is because they spread hate and violence. And, yeah, and I don't want that. But and that's what the pro, that's why I don't like a lot of people get pissed. I don't respond to a lot of tweets. I don't respond to a lot of tweets because, frankly, it's just there's no there's no upside to it. It's it's negativity. It's we're not having constructive conversations. No, Twitter to me is I like the like Tanner Plummer. I tweet with Tanner Plummer probably every day. Hey, guys. One of our listeners here on the show. I tweet with Tanner all the time. He's positive. Lopes fan Gabe. Like, I tweet with a lot of our people that watch the show on a regular basis. I enjoy the interaction. But there are some that I just won't do it with. Yeah. Because it's all it's all negativity. And I just believe that I believe very strongly, and I'm hoping this is what Elon follows through on. You have to surround yourself and fill your ears with positivity. Because when you allow negativity to be the pervasive thing that you hear, all of a sudden you're a conspiracy theorist. All of a sudden, black people and trans people in libtards, and that's what you get all the time. But and I just can't do it. I think one of the problems with Twitter is that you're limited to the 160 characters or whatever. There's 140? No, no 140. I think they. I thought they expanded it a little bit for Twitter Blue. Yeah, you're you're, you're limited, right? And so people don't really have conversations. They're either going to be a yes or no on whatever thing you've said. And there's no ability for understanding, right? Like no one's, if you say something on Twitter, nobody's going to go, oh, what do you mean by that? I'd like to understand more. No, you don't. You don't want to understand more. (laughs) Well, no. But I mean, if someone did want to understand more, if they wanted to have an actual conversation, you're going to what, you know, go back and forth on on two sentences every single Mm -hmm. like two seconds. No, no one's going to go through that. So you make a statement and people are either thumbs up or thumbs downing you the whole time. And depending yeah. on where you're at uh, on uh, the popular scale, you're either going to get a whole lot more of the negativity or a whole lot more support. By the way, the one thing I hope that Elon does bring is a full time edit button. I really hope that you can because I pay for Twitter Blue. I support the Twitter platform and which means I can edit my tweets. Um, and by the way, when I say edit my tweets, when I hit send, it gives me 30 seconds to hit undo. And I can edit whatever. So sometimes I still don't do that. But um, it's Twitter Blue's worth it, by the way. I never have to see ads on Twitter anymore. And I can edit my tweets. Totally yeah. worth see, it. See, now on Facebook, if I could pay to not have ads yeah, and to not have all the junk, I would pay and I would probably be on Facebook more. But right. I think they don't let me. A couple other political things. This fucking Mark Meadows disaster that came out yesterday. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard about this, but all of the tweets or all of the text messages that were unearthed from Mark Meadows, who was at the time of the insurrection in the election, was Donald Trump's chief of staff. Yeah. His texts from that day have been unearthed. Um, and it is amazing the number of people who were working behind the scenes to overthrow the election. Yeah. Rick Perry, the former governor of Texas and the former energy secretary under Donald Trump, has vehemently and repeatedly denied being involved in the insurrection. 
Oh, and until the proof comes out. And then the texts from Mark Meadows came out. And Secretary Perry at the time, Rick Perry, was like, no, those are not mine. So the, the texts come out and he sent multiple messages with suggestions on how to overthrow the election. And you know how we know that those are from Rick Perry? Well, they're on his government-issued phone. Well, the problem is that somebody could have had access to that phone and sent those texts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he signed his name to the texts. Mm. He literally wrote Rick Perry and put his phone number there. So you're telling me that somebody took his phone without him knowing, sent a bunch of text messages, signed his name, and wrote his phone number there. This is the amazing part. You, They tried to do something that's <clears> never <throat> been done and had zero plan for it. So stuff like that's going to happen. You're basically incriminating yourself after the fact because you weren't prepared in the moment to to complete this scheme that you had you, going. You know the other guy that looks like a piece of shit is Sean Hannity. So, by the way, who was approving all of his talking points during the election and the insurrection? Mark Meadows. <laughs> like, Sean Hannity doing his talk show? On election day, they're losing badly, right? Like, it looks like they're losing badly. Mark Meadows is sending him the zip codes in the counties where he needs to tell people, hey, in a, you know, in uh, you know, in Fulton County, you got to get out and vote. Hey, and, and then you go back and, and um, one of the, I want to say it was MSNBC, took his text messages with Meadows and matched them up to the timestamp on his radio show. Fulton County, and on the radio, the transcript says, hey, Fulton County, you got to get out and vote. <laughs> and like Marjorie Taylor Greene and all these people texting the president's chief of staff, hey, here's an idea on how to overthrow the government. <laughs> it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. And then there is still Dr. Fauci porn. Now, I've said for a lot of years I don't watch porn. I think it's I think it's bad for I think it's bad for marriages. I really it's do. The great destroyer of men. It is pornography is the great destroyer of men, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, so um, I flip on Howard Stern the other day, like because we made the best decision we've ever made on Sunday night, and that was to go and get Olive Garden for dinner. We had soup and salad, and so Mrs. Monty and I hop in the family truckster and we're driving over to Olive Garden and we flip on the Stern Show on Sirius XM Channel One Hundred. And Howard Stern is talking about this Anthony Fauci-based pornography <laughs> where the characters in the film, in the movie, this porn flick, are Anthony Fauci and some woman. And she's going on about how sexy his needle is. and The coronavirus. Are there people who are really watching Anthony Bro. Fauci pornography and pleasuring themselves to that? <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. Is that where we really are? Hey, but remember, remember, we're not judging people on their sexual preferences, right? <laughs> but this is like out there. I am amazed. <laughs> this is way out there. I am I, amazed. Like, I'm not sure what, what is even sexual about Fauci and Man. that whole, you know, situation, if you will. Yeah. What is, what is, what is arousing about coronavirus and a big part of this, um, apparently the plot of this porn film um was the was the the shot and getting the shot and anthony fauci came to this woman's house to give her the shot <laughs> the vaccine shot so of course she winds up blowing dr fauci in a porn movie okay so that's how it's going yeah like it's, it's just opportunity are like, you getting turned on by that 
You, you could like have porn about bacon. It, it really doesn't matter. Like they'll make anything if someone will watch it. Fat. And I I'm guess. not saying like it was probably probably not a real high quality, you know, production. I don't understand it at all. <laughs> I <laughs> don't it's, understand it's it at all. They were also talking about how there's porn centered around uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. Okay, I kind of get that. She's second in command to the You know, she uh, could be the most powerful person in the world. Okay, I kind of understand that. The Veep. But apparently there's a, a porn flick with her and Joe Biden hooking up. I don't want to see. You weren't expecting this one. No, I don't want to see Gramps and, and Kamala Harris hooking up. I, I don't, I don't want to see that. Wow. Like, I don't understand. Again, I'm not judging people. People's minds. Like, who's having, who's getting off to that? Daddy. Yeah, who is pleasuring themselves to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris having I sex? I don't know, man. I don't know. There's nothing, weird, man. there's nothing sexual about Dr. Anthony Fauci. No. There's not. No. Can we just all agree on that? Yes. Yes, we can agree on that. Seriously. Uh <laughs> Wild a thrill says, I got your shot right here. Exactly right. Uh, there's that so many jokes about miss, it. I'm sure that's man. how it got started. People yeah. are like, I'll, got you. I'll give on, you a man. shot. Giggity says, I get the MAGAs are the main consumer of Fauci and Kamala porn. Probably. 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 Didn't a while ago you guys call the vaccine Luca's mom? Could be. I don't know. Um, she could cure any problem that I have. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Johnson says, he's got some cult followers. I'll tell you what. Jesus. <laughs> I would agree with that. It's and finally, weird. and finally. Yeah. What do you guys make of what's going on in Ukraine real quick? Did you see this summit that they're having in Germany at Ramstein Air Force Base today? No, I didn't. Over 40 NATO countries and the United States are meeting in a hangar at Ramstein Air Force Base with the sole stated goal of figuring out how to deliver the necessary equipment and weaponry to the Ukrainian forces to beat Russia. And it's like, you know, General Miley, the, the uh, you know, commander of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, our Secretary of Defense, like all of these power players in the NATO countries. And they're trying to figure out like one of the major weapons that the U.S. is giving to the Ukraine, uh, the Ukrainian forces, is the howitzer, which is a massive, it's a gun that's basically on a pickup truck. Yeah. It is a huge, it's a huge weapon and it shoots artillery. It's an artillery shell. And they're trying to figure out what's the best way to deliver that howitzer, right? And so all of these NATO countries are in this hangar making this war plan to defeat Russia. Good. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like the precursor to some world war action. That's what that sounds like to me too. And you know the scary thing? Um, a bunch of stuff came out yesterday um, that... It looks like Vladimir Putin. So you, we've talked about this on the show before. Yeah. Vladimir Putin is not well. He has had, it, it, and there's been time lapses of him in photos over the last 12 months. He is swelling up. Like he is, like you, he looks like he's retaining water. Like it's not good. And so over the last two days, there's been all kinds of evidence that he has severe Parkinson's. Mm. And what's the major sign of Parkinson's? Shaking. You're shaking. It's shaking. And so there was a video of him sitting with his defense minister at a table. And Putin is like got the edge of the table and he's got like this firm, like you can see his hand has like the muscle in his yeah, hand. He's like firmly gripping. Is it. gripping the table. And it's because he's trying to make sure that he isn't shaking, right? Because when you have Parkinson's, you have this tick, right? 
And so he's holding this and he's got the other hand on this arm of a chair, but he can't contain his feet and his feet are like trembling, trembling. And his speech is, and you can see his speech is a little odd and you can see his head just doing that little, if you've ever seen somebody with Parkinson's, just that little, just a little nod. And I say all of this, that here are these 40 NATO countries in the United States, in Germany, so pretty much in their neck of the woods, sending all this weaponry and, and troops and intel and all this stuff to Ukraine to defeat Russia. Here's a guy that could arguably be dying. And I got to think that the, the cap on the nuke button's open. That's my single biggest fear, is that as, as you hear more and more of these stories, Am I the only one who thinks that we are closer and closer to nuclear war yeah, or a well, nuclear he event? The, he pulled the Kim Jong-un where he, you know, f- fired a missile to say, hey, we still got it. Yes. Just letting you know we still got it. The thing, I, I don't know. The whole nuclear thing is like, it's just a, uh, it's, it's, there's no win for anybody. If he fires one. He better fire 30 because we're firing 30. Well, and the problem is, like, is that the and whole then everybody is else fire. is firing 30. Yeah. Like, what is the, like, there's no win at all when you get to that point. I would agree. Um, Richard McDonald says, I'd also say, let's not speculate on people's health. Rampant speculation in times of chaos never helps. But here's the problem. It's a huge storyline. If Vladimir Putin is ill, and we've heard rumors for over, I mean, two years now going back to the Trump administration that Vladimir Putin was very sick. Yeah. And if he is ill, he has nothing to lose. And there's a lot of people saying that his, his last work in life, whether he's dying sooner or later is to reform the USSR to bring all those Russian States back together. I think it's a huge part of the story because if he in fact is, is sick, if he has Parkinson's, and in Russia, by the way, if you are not physically well, whether and Parkinson's is a is a long, slow road home. It is not yeah. pleasant. Yeah. And it is not quick. Yeah. But he will not be able to be the visible leader of that of that country. And I think that's what scares him the most. Like it's terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. Because I think it brings in a certain point of desperation. But I don't think that people like so okay, let's say he is ill and let's say he is not well. I, you can't tell me that the people around him are going to, like his closest advisors, are going to allow him to start a nuclear war because he may be dying, but the rest of their country is not dying. You know, that's well, their home. I don't know. I don't think they, like, I, I don't think that would stop them. Well, they, they've said that there was a significant uh, intelligence reports say there was a significant assassination attempt about six weeks ago. Of Putin. Of Putin. And it was unsuccessful. It never even got close to happening. But you, you, I agree with you. You've been saying for a while, like those oligarchs are not going to keep giving billions of dollars away. No, they're not going to keep giving Italian villas. And, they want their boats back, and bro. Billion dollar yachts <laughs> away. And the problem is they'll never get their boats back. Those boats mm-hmm. are being chopped and auctioned. Yeah. And yeah. it is. I mean, you look at you look at some of these the, the these guys. They're very powerful men. They are not to be trifled. If, listen, if Putin is on an island in this whole situation, meaning that he's the only one that really wanted this war, if you will, this conflict with Ukraine, if he's the only one that wants it and all is everybody else around him 
is just along for the ride because it's his war. Yeah. That is different than, hey, everybody in Russia wants to take over Ukraine. That's totally different. Well, and there's a narrative, and I, I want to say that Fox is the one that has tried to dispel it, so take it with a grain of salt. But there's a narrative that very closely compares, to Richard McDonald's point here, that very closely compares Vladimir Putin's trajectory with that of the Nazis. Because this is not unlike what the Nazis did. They grew a little bit in power and then failed miserably trying to take territory. Nazis. And then Hitler obviously was a little crazy to begin with. Yeah. But he quickly spiraled into either he was murdered or suicide or an untimely ending. And it would seem that that's where Vladimir Putin's going. It's just a matter of how many people is he going to take with him? Well, and I think the other thing that you could take comfort in is that our country, like, you know, the Biden, like the people in the Biden administration, love him or hate him, they have the information. They, I would guess that they are a little bit more educated on his Putin's current state. And so yeah. that to me is why I think this, this whole summit that's happening at this base is like, it's a signal to me that you know, hey, everyone's got to get on the same page and we just got to decide how we want to handle this. And th and this is what I've said from the beginning. This is very much a, hey, the little brother, you know, left his room and now we got to put him back in his room type thing. That's what I feel like this is. I'm terrified of it. I'll be honest with you, because I think, one, if Donald Trump was still president, I don't know where we would be. Because the, the, the human atrocities happening in Ukraine, I mean... He, uh, it's sad. They're bombing train stations, schools, hospitals. I mean, they, apartment they, buildings, apartment buildings, churches. Um, they're bombing matter. Jewish, uh, holy sites. They're bombing. And that's what I'm saying. Like the, the uh, breaching the walls of Chernobyl, which is in Ukraine, um, beach, bre breaching the walls of Chernobyl. Like you just don't give a shit about humans. Yeah. And that's, what's so hard for me to understand is I don't think Vladimir Putin is scared to die. I think he's scared to die alone. And that's a very difficult place to be when you are sitting on the on the button. Yeah. And it's it's terrifying to me. It is terrifying to me. All right, we got to go play the music. Um, appreciate everybody being here. Thank you so much. If you're here right now, please give us a thumbs up. Um, appreciate you watching the show. Appreciate you subscribing. Um, there are good people on both sides of the invasion, Fat Jesus says. No, Donald, there's not. Um, Fat Jesus never fails to end on a high note. Um, 30, well, we picked up seven subscribers during the show. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. If you're here right now, give us a thumbs up. We'll give away our PS5 at 5,000. Please shop our affiliate links, which are below. Just updated last night, and they are spectacular. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.